Welcome back. Welcome in. Week one, officially wow. in the books. Wade Zancata, Connor O'Neill here, as always, for the OUA, for CF Perspective. How excited are you that week one is, I guess, now over? We're it's back to OUA football. Uh, that was fun. Week. That was really fun. So we're going to go through these in order, but we, of course, were at the Laurier Queens game. The physicality between both of these two teams who were just hell-bent on running the football, no matter how long it took to set it up. And finally, you get a 10-yard run. Or finally, you get a short pass that turns into a bigger game. Um, the defenses were so, so, so resilient uh, coming into the score zone. So we're going to move away from that game and come back to it later, but very, very, very good football quality this weekend. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And, you know, you started off by talking about defensive football. And I think, you know, for a lot of these games, that was really the theme of the week. And we're starting off with Guelph in Toronto here. Guelph taking a 33-10 win over the Varsity Blues. And for Guelph, I think that was really the story of their win in this game. I mean, okay, the story of the win. Obviously, we're going to talk about rookie quarterback Tristan Abood having an absolute day. What a debut, but... the. The defense for Guelph was just so impressive in this win, especially when you look at a guy like Anthony Moratuzo. Like his day was was so impressive. Two sacks, one one interception, a touchdown on that interception return, and seven total tackles. Obviously, if you haven't seen it by now, he is the the CFP OUA defensive player of the week. But let's talk about this this Guelph Toronto game. What'd you see? What'd you like? Uh well, what I liked was Tristan Abood, the Absolutely. true freshman quarterback for Guelph, came out. And when we were talking, I said Toronto needs to come out fast because the longer Guelph sits around, the longer this Guelph defense holds them in the game, the more comfortable this kid's going to get. And they started him out, you know, they're really relying on moving the pocket, using run action to kind of pull defenders away, give them maybe a little bit bigger windows. Uh, and the more they found themselves hanging in the game because their defense just was not allowing anything from Kinsale Phillip or the Toronto rushing attack. Uh, Lucas Stoikos, six attempts, seven yards. Adam Williams, three attempts, seven yards. So I, uh, I know this Guelph defense worked really hard at it, and they were rewarded because once Tristan Abood started to go, it wasn't like a blow your socks out of the water kind of day, but 19 completions, 200 yards, a touchdown. Obviously, the pick was like a big tip pass. or it, I say tip pass, but it was like off the chest of his receiver. Um, and then he added 60 yards on the ground. He, he showed everything you want to see from a true freshman quarterback in his first game. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. It was an impressive start from the young quarterback, from the Guelph offense overall, really. I mean, when you look at their total offense, 414 yards of total offense. And, you know, admittedly, if we're going to self-scout here, we we had questions about Guelph just knowing that they were going to be a young team. And Guelph answered, and they answered very loudly in this game. 33-10 win, like we said, so... Hats off to the Guelph Griffins. 
the young Guelph Griffins, their defense looked fast, man. Their defense looked very fast. It did. Uh, Anakin Guthrie was flying around as well all weekend long. So it was really good to see. And on the offensive side from Toronto, I kind of alluded to this. Uh, nothing from Kinsale Phillip. Nothing from the run game. Uh, some of the receivers made some big plays. Nigel looked good. Nick Green had a few big catches. But they were stymied from the get-go, and it really allowed Guelph to kind of breathe and relax instead of panicking and forcing a young first-year quarterback to play from behind. Uh, I don't know where this Toronto offense goes heading to an Ottawa team or heading home against an Ottawa team in this upcoming week uh, that definitely got their turnovers and definitely had their way with Waterloo. Where does that leave this Toronto offense? I guess we'll find out this weekend. Don't want to give too much away because we are going to preview the game. So we don't want to preview as we're doing the recaps here. So I'm going to force us along here. We're going to move on to the next game on the docket. The Western Mustangs taking on the York Lions. 83-0 win for these Western Mustangs. And man, uh, Evan Hillock, again, if you haven't seen it, he is our OUA of Perspective Player of the Week. What a half of football from the veteran quarterback. 13 of 18, 305 yards, five touchdown passes on the day for Evan Hillock. Great game from the Western Mustangs offense overall. I mean, receiving, let's talk about the receivers here. They they had three receivers. Svon Magne-Jones, 119 yards. Mohsen Jamal, 106 yards, two touchdowns. Seth Robertson, not quite at 100, 99 yards, two touchdowns. Between three receivers, there were six touchdowns and almost 300 yards of offense. Over 300 yards of offense, excuse me. It was quite the day for the Mustangs. Uh, I will say, though, watching this game back a second time as we kind of had to miss the second half going to Queens-Laurier, uh, there were some bright spots for York throughout the day, though. They Absolutely. They had a couple drives that were sustained. Uh, of course, on defense, J.J. Messier. <laughs> Ready for this? Three total tackles. Two of them were sacks. Uh, the third one was a TFL anyways, TFL. and he had two forced fumbles. <laughs> yeah. Great. Like, so and again, we talked about in the, the preview, right? He was uh East-West bowler, like you just said, living in the backfield. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, hell of a day. But for York, he has to have big games like that for them to have any chance of competing with some teams this year and you know they they tried to run the ball Owen Webb did a nice job getting the ball out quickly in the first half um but Western just overpowered them with big plays offensively I mean Yazbek's 60 yard score on the second drive of the game uh Keon had a big 60 yard tote as well of course Hillock threw the ball downfield so it was uh Definitely a big day for the Mustangs offense as they are looking to get back to the national semifinal this year. Yeah, certainly was a showing, but I do want to talk about your quarterback, Owen Webb, a little bit here. You know, despite those two interceptions, he was 50% on the day, 11 of 22. In the rain, in the rain. It was heavy rain. Yes. And he, he threw for 134 yards, 37 long. He had, you know, like watching this game back, I really liked what I saw from Owen Webb. He was making the right reads. He was making the right decisions. And let's be honest here. He was playing 
a very, very tough, very stout Western defensive secondary. This is an aggressive secondary. They capitalize on opportunities. But Owen Webb didn't look nervous, didn't look scared. He looked calm. And he was making the right reads. He was getting the ball to his playmakers. So, you know, I, I was very encouraged by what I saw from Owen Webb, the reads he was making, the way the ball was coming out of his hand. Like, there was a lot of positives in the quarterback play for York in, in this game. And I think, you know, if he can continue to develop, because we talked about it in the preview last year, didn't have very many reps. I think it was only 16 passing attempts for him on the season. If he can continue to develop, continue to show this poise, continue to show this confidence, I, I have... I have, you know, all the confidence in the world in this kid. I, I think he can do great things within this York, within this York Lions offense. I do. I do too. And uh, opportunity is going to be the biggest key for them. They do have some good receivers like Ole and Daly. Uh, and of course, with Melchus Alunga in the backfield, there will be some positives for the York Lions this year. Uh, but Saturday was definitely all about the Mustangs, all purple and white and silver. Talking about purple and white, the Laurier Golden Hawks taking on the Queens Gales at Richardson Memorial Stadium. The brand new Lang Pavilion looked beautiful. We were there in person. It was a great game. Wade, Wade talked about it off the top. Defensive battle, the Laurier Golden Hawks coming away with an 11-10 win all off the leg of kicker Dawson Hodge. When you look at this Laurier and Queens game, the one one piece that I want to kind of use is Queens trying to open up their offense only in the last three minutes, it seemed, of the game. Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a weird day. Like it was a beautiful day in the limestone city, nonetheless. If you know Kingston. You know the wind, especially at Richardson Stadium coming off the lake. It was super windy all day long. That might have had an effect on it. Maybe they wanted to keep things short. Maybe they wanted to go to the run game. I mean, all things considered, Alex Vreekin did still have a good day. 17 completions, almost 170 yards. He had the one beautiful touchdown pass to Nathan Falcone. But they did lean on the run. They leaned on the on the short stuff. Aiden O'Neill, 6 for 61 on the day as a receiver. But... Yeah, it, it seemed like when they needed it, they they had that sense of urgency. They were able to push the ball downfield. Um, but in this game, defensive battle, defensive takeover. And I think that, you know, Laurier's defense did a really, really good job of kind of negating everything that we know Queens' offense to be. Yeah, and I want to kind of talk about what the Queens' offense had done because the two drives that they let Vreekin throw multiple times uh and try to stretch the field i don't want to say multiple times they let him try to stretch the field it was the touchdown drive which was a short drive because of the colonna pick uh and then it was the following drive where they ended up missing a field goal um after a time count and a false start kind of pushed them away but their scoring drives they let him work the ball around 12 yards 12 yards uh, he'll push it over 12 yards for it. It's like he can throw and they score. And then they get super conservative, run, run, go. Or it's a short pass, try to run it on second and short, and they don't get it. I know that it's week one and offenses take a while to get going. 
But to me, it felt like the offense as a whole was just not threatening the Laurier secondary. Like they were running tunnel screens or hooks or running the ball. And then all of a sudden at the end of the game, they needed to put points up and it's like, Oh, <laughs> here we go. Here Let's start Queens. airing it out. Yeah. Here yeah. comes Queens and they go down the field uh, and they make a huge play, multiple big plays down the sidelines. 16 yards, 10 yards, 16 yards, 12 yard run for Vreekin. Uh, They just missed another pass to Aiden O'Neill. And then it was, okay, let's set up the field goal and go. But they finally let the offense open it up and start to take intermediate shots. And they were able to have great success in that. So I, I do want to see that more next week. Um, but this Laurier team was fantastic. I don't want to take anything away from them or their defense because they did play a heck of a game in stopping what Queens was trying to do, which was run the football effectively. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we can, you know, we can talk about these defenses all day long because it was a, a heck of a defensive ball game. But I do want to spend some time on the on the Laurier offense here because, you know, no touchdowns on the day, but they were still highly effective and they had a great day in their own right. I mean, Taylor Algersma had dang near 40 passing attempts. He had 38. He completed 29 of them, 284 yards. And they did a great job of you know, not trying to force the ball downfield and knowing that they had playmakers like Raiden Thorne, like Ethan Jordan, and they were able to get these guys into space, whether it was, you know, over routes or kind of screen passes or whatever it, whatever it may be. Raiden Thorne on the day, 10 receptions, 93 yards. Ethan Jordan in this one, seven receptions, 75 yards. And, and like I just said, these weren't, there was a few, there was a couple kind of, shot plays here and there but these weren't necessarily like 30 yard bombs when you look at taylor elgersma's long on the day it was a 21 yard pass so they did a, a very good job of getting their playmakers into space and they played really complimentary football with their running backs quentin avery scott had a heck of a day rushing the football 15 carries 69 yards elgersma himself 25 on the ground and darian basic hayden Limited role, but man, when they needed him, he was there the to make The bus gets play. moving, man. The bus gets moving. Um, no, I, I think with his Laurier offense, Connor, when I spoke to Falls and Taylor at training camp, Taylor knew his role to be the distributor of the football to extremely talented playmakers. He doesn't have to do everything. He can throw a five-yard out to a Raiden Thorner and Ethan Jordan, they turn it up into a larger game. He just has to put the ball in the hands of his guys and give them an opportunity. And he knows that, and that's exactly what he did all game long. A lot of their shot plays, Connor, were right when they needed to make a play or convert a second and long. It was, oh, there's Raiden Thorne on an eight-yard dig, converts to second and six. Oh, there's Ethan Jordan running a 10-yard out. Oh, okay, first down, keep it moving. Uh, it was very timely and we talked with coach falls afterwards and he even said like, he always made the play when we needed it. So I'm excited for this Laurie team. This is going to be a very big potential Yates cup or semifinal matchup down the road. So excited for these teams, excited to get moving on to our next game, which you called it. 
the Windsor Lancers over the McMaster Marauders. Uh, yeah, talk about a tight one, football game, man. This one was a tight football game, but once again, Connor, that identity of Windsor running the football, punching you in the mouth, play after play after play, ends up wearing a team down. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it certainly does. And, you know, the thing that I want to highlight right off the top, you said it, punch them in the mouth, play after play after play. And you're able to do that when you have a backfield like the Windsor Lancers do. Chris John, 13 carries, 71 yards. Turn it around. Joey Zorn, 12 carries, 68 yards. They have interchange. They have an interchangeable backfield. They're able to roll fresh legs on seemingly every single play. And the other thing that I want to highlight here about the Windsor offense, Danny Skelton had two interceptions on the day, didn't let it get to him, shook him off right away. You know, we always hear that quarterbacks have to have a short-term, mem- short-term memory. Danny Skelton embodied that in this game. Yeah, he had two interceptions, but he also had 198 yard, 198 yards and two touchdown passes. And he looked very poised. He looked and like he ran one. And he ran and one. he ran one. But he looked like a veteran passer in this game. And the Windsor Lancers did a very good job of just staying the course, playing their game, trusting in their coaching, trusting in their playmakers. And it resulted in a road win at a very tough place to play, which is Ron Joyce Stadium at McMaster. Now, I will say, before we get into uh, talking about this game further, the blackout uniforms worn by the McMaster Marauders in this game, my word. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge uniform fanatic. The all-black uniforms looked incredible. Uh, And Mac did play good football in this one, too. Mac played good football at times, I would say. I... I think Keegan Hall had a very welcome to OUA football as a starter kind of day where he threw the ball a lot. They did not have much thirty-seven to attempts. Um, there was four attempts for Danny Bissett, one for Jacob Mason, three for Jawan Smith, and then two end-arounds for Jacob Patton. Uh, he had no help in the run game. He threw the ball 37 attempts, like Connor just said. And they held in the game. I thought he looked very calm in the pocket, despite everyone knowing that he's going to be dropping back to throw. Uh, I I feel like this game for McMaster, they needed to get something to help out the young quarterback. Kind of like what Guelph did. Guelph really had a focus early in their game of getting the run game going, getting it involved, so that Abood had some assistance. McMaster, meanwhile, was just like, all right, Keegan, you got a great arm. Let's use it today, buddy. <laughs> and man, it was, it was a, I think, you know, you said, it was I think a, we were a, a Jackson cooling fumble away from this game being the opposite way. Yeah, it was, it was a back and forth battle the entire game uh but but what i want to highlight too in this one you know we said uh keegan hall had a a bit of a tough day and that's credit for me that's credit to the windsor defense they were aggressive up front in this game two two sacks seven tfls and they were just pinning their ears back and trying to get after the young quarterback trying to rattle the young quarterback trying to force him to make a mistake he did throw one interception that's fine that happens in football but yeah, Windsor's defense in this one for me is kind of the the key to the the key to the win in this one. Yes, they had a great run game, but again, what travels? 
defense and run game game defense baby <laughs> exactly and you uh, know, Windsor really utilized that in this game I will say that Jackson cooling fumble on the punt return Connor had to be the turning point for me it was 14 to 9 McMaster seemed to have it starting to click then Jackson cooling fumbles on the punt return 21 9 and Windsor can kind of just sit back and say okay try to try to catch us if you give us the ball back, we're going to crush so much time with our run game. You're not going to have many attempts at it. And it really forced Mac to kind of play with this urgency of, holy hell, we have to take shots and score right away. Yeah. And that's a tough place to play, especially for a first-year starter. When you know you are now down, this is a tough place for any football team, but when you're down and you know that you have to start throwing and the other team's defense knows that you have to start throwing, it gets a heck of a lot harder to find success downfield because everybody in the stadium and their dog knows what's coming. Is dog friendly at Ron Joy Stadium? I don't know. But if you're standing on the outside, maybe. There is one stadium where animals are allowed. It is TD Place because the GGs, first horse out of the gate, right? Yes, they are. Have been using it as their home field the last couple of years. And they opened up their season this year very nicely against the Waterloo Wars. And while we do not know the ultimate status of Ben Miracle after we saw him go down with a non-contact injury uh, after playing two and a quarter drives, I will say when we saw Ben, this offense was humming. And after Ben went out, Lacandro really struggled to get the ball moving. Luckily, he had Al McClare Polk <laughs> rip off a 46-yard run right before he came in the game. Uh, and they had a comfortable lead, and they could lean on their defense a lot. Yeah, for me, that is the game-breaker in this one. It was it was Amakar Poke. 22 carries, 142 yards, one touchdown. He said it, 46-yard touchdown run early in this game. He was the difference-maker. He was the game-breaker. And I know Max Melifon had a great game as well, 55 yards and a touchdown early from Ben Maracle. And it was, it was a great drive. I hope it's nothing, you know, I hope it's nothing too serious for, for Ben because he went four for four, 33 yards and a touchdown in his first drive of the game. And it looked like he, you know, he was really calm. He was really under control, but the Ottawa GGs have an aggressive defense this year. They have a ton of veterans on that side of the ball. And it really, really showed. They were able to rattle the Waterloo offense, three sacks, six TFLs, four interceptions on the day, another four pass breakups, and they had two blocks in this game as well. This is a veteran, aggressive, stout defense. And the one guy that I really do want to highlight on the defensive side of the ball here for the GGs, Max Charbonneau, nine tackles, a forced fumble, which he recovered himself, and he had one of those blocks that we were talking about. You're not going with Manny? Sack he had a TFL great game, And a too. fumble recovery as well. And a pass breakup. And a PBU. Man, there's there's so many guys on this Ottawa defense that you could highlight. And <laughs> again, like even a guy like Kevin Tome, not a huge stat line, but it's tough. But he eliminates you don't players. want to throw. Exactly. He eliminates the side of the field because you know what he is and you don't want to test him. Well, I think with Waterloo, Connor, the overarching question remains... Nolan Caban, four interceptions. When we talked to Coach Bertoia before the season started, it was, you know, that's priority number one, is to get rid of those turnovers, eliminate them somehow, some way. 
and Caban comes out with a four INT game in week one. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, we talk about it. Those things happen in football. You know, we see quarterbacks have one, two, three interception games all the time, but you know, you're right. When we talk to uh, coach Bertoya at the start of the season, that was one thing that they really did want to focus on. And I think with Caban now moving into the York game in week two, I, I think with him, this is all about progression. It's all about showing growth. Okay, let's go back to the film room. Let's watch this Ottawa tape because, you know, we know Ottawa's a tough defense. They are a really good defense. Let's watch the tape. Let's see what happened. And let's, you know, get this game out of our minds and focus on next week. Focus on how we can grow from this game because there were there were a lot of positive moments from Caban in this game as well. Like he had 216 yards, a touchdown. He was using his legs really well. He had another 31 on the ground, but the four interceptions is tough. And that is something that they did want to work on. So I think for, for Waterloo, for Caban moving into next week, it's all about development. It's all about watching the tape, learning from what happened in this game and, and moving on because for a while, I mean, it was 16 to 10, 19 to 10. These are winnable games. That's a, that's a one score game going into the the fourth quarter of this one and and, you know if and I think you know if if there's some plays that they can start to take advantage of and I know he's a young young kid and and it's a young young offense with Waterloo as a whole but you know a one score game I I think uh that's attack mode that's attack mode and you know if you can learn from this early game and you know like we said about Queens offenses do take a little bit of time to get rolling early in the season so I think it's about development, progression, and uh, learning from from what happened at this game and and applying it and moving forward. Perfectly said. Perfect way to end it. Uh, week two, Labor Day weekend. We got a full slate of games, five on the docket. We will bring you guys those later in the week. Uh, but for now, head over to OUA.TV. If you wanted to sign up for the premium subscription, you can start to get ready. Uh, as it opens after Labor Day weekend, you'll be able to watch games on demand. Uh, it is free to sign up if you want to watch the games live. So go ahead and do so. I know that's what I used for, well, four of the five games this first week. Uh, all right. Well, there's the OUA slate. Connor, the streak is over. The streak is over. We said it. You heard it here. You asked me last week. Is Edmonton finally going to break the streak? I emphatically said yes about 25 times. Trey Ford, man, 317 in the air. What? One passing touchdown and another with his legs? He had like, yeah. I think he, he averaged like seven-something yards of carry last night. My word. Trey Ford played some damn football last night. Two looked okay, at five hold last on. night. Stop, 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 stop. I've got one question and one request. This one is directed at Trey Ford, but mainly the Edmonton equipment staff. Can we get his helmet to sit <laughs> flat on his head instead of crooked? His helmet has been crooked every single time he puts it on. It has got to be the chin straps are at different lengths. That's but what it is. you can even see when they show like a replay from the tight view, you can see everyone's stripe on their helmet is going straight. And his is just tilted and going on an angle. <laughs> hey, man, it's like whatever's comfortable. He's got a 22.5 degree tilt on his axis. Um, but no, Trey Ford played a phenomenal game, Connor. That was, I got to say, I had so much pause during this game where I'm like, oh, are they going to blow it again? Are they going to blow it? 
And no, Trey Ford kept it under control. He kept it all together. They pulled out the first win at Commonwealth in over 1,400 days. You love to see it. You love to see it. This, for me, I think for everybody, I'm stating the obvious here, but this is Trey Ford's breakout game. It's the most passing yards he's had. It's the, I, I think for me, and feel free to disagree, but I, I doubt you will. I doubt anybody will. This is the most confident that I've seen Trey Ford look in his professional career. It yes. looked like he was having fun yeah. out there. It looked like he was under control. It looked like he was calm in the pocket. He looked like a pro quarterback last night. And I'm not saying he hadn't in games past, but last night he looked like he had an air about him where he was like, you know what? Screw it. I belong in this league and I'm going to go out there and play like it. I think he just played Trey Ford football, which is loose. It is relaxed. It is, oh, this isn't here. Okay, I'll just I'll just back up, spin out, run away for a bit, let something develop. And oh, nothing really developed. Okay, I'll just I'll just carry for a first down. It's okay. I'll keep the chains moving. It wasn't stressful. And like it was free. Well, free trade Ford was free. <laughs> it helps when you have a play like Geno Lewis going up for a jump ball, tossing the defender off of his back, and then being untouched into the end zone afterwards where he can kind of walk his way in. Um, that's definitely a big help. It's a big game breaker. Geno Lewis doing Geno Lewis things. But no, this team, this team moved the ball well throughout the game. Yeah, they before... ran the ball well. Trey Ford was playing damn good. And I also want to shout out Gavin Cobb. Hell of a play. <laughs> Waiting for that all season. That's my guy. If you know me, you know I have a huge, huge, huge appreciation for Gavin Cobb. I was so happy to see him make that play. It was a hell of a throw by Trey, too. But, you know, great release, great route, great stem. And he showed off the speed. Rest of the week, Winnipeg was Winnipeg. Um, and I've said Toronto put on the fireworks for the CNE game and Calgary brought their own uh, as Toronto won by eight points. And then the Battle of the Cats. What happened? What happened? Whoa. James Butler happened, man. Revenge game. My you God. You heard him say afterwards, like, you saw, you could see it in my eyes. Like, yeah, of course he was going off this game. Dude, he was you know running how badly the ball? I wanted to fit him into my fantasy lineup while still having... Oh. Oliveira or Olet. <laughs> he was running the ball like he just hated the turf. Like he was running like he was angry at the ground. He was. <laughs> My God. But yeah, 30 to 13 win. I guess uh the Thai Cats are not in the cellar anymore. They're moving no, on. Up. They're they're like at the top step of the cellar. Well, they've beaten the Red Blocks. They're peeking behind times. the door. <laughs> hey, as no, of right now, they're win. contending for a playoff spot. That's all you it's can ask win. for. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now let's get to the AUS because there was, and RSEC, because there were some big blowouts, some dominating games, and pardon my language, and, but what the fuck happened in Mount Allison? <laughs> An all-time Canadian <laughs> football finish, as you tweeted out off the CFP account. Dude, okay, so they missed a field goal. KD missed a field goal. Hold now up, hold they... up, hold up. Let's 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 tell everybody the score. It was a 15-13 win 
for the Acadia Axemen over the Mount Allison Mounties in this one. Now but, continue. Okay, so at the end of the game, I'll get down. I'll read the play-by-play out for everyone. <clears throat> it's gonna be like a fifteen-minute play-by-play read. No field goal missed from <laughs> Mount uh, from Acadia. Mount Allison tune out. They punt. Acadia punts the ball back into the end zone. Like the guy just hammered a rugby kick into the end zone. The punter from Mount A then goes kick the ball back out. If you're following along and don't know Canadian football, every time you punt the ball, a five-yard halo must be given. It doesn't matter if it's the second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth punt of the play. That halo has to be given. So whenever you kick the ball back out to prevent a rouge, your team does not give the five-yard halo. It goes right to Acadia in field goal range to win the game as the time expires. So they missed a field goal. Mount A kicked the ball to them. Acadia kicked the ball back. Mount A prevented the rouge, did not give the halo, gave the ball back to Acadia. Acadia wins the game and walks off. What the hell? What a finish. Only what in Canadian a finish. football. Only in Canadian football. Now, I do have a little bit of a bone to pick. Uh, somebody commented, you remember the tears thing we did? Everybody remembers the tears thing we did. We got yeah. so much crap for that. Somebody commented on this, like a what, four-week-old post now, which whatever. Uh, how can glad Acadia... It, glad it's sticking with you. <laughs> how can Acadia on the bottom, aka the rest, beating a top team, beating a top quote-unquote challenger, Mount A? Okay, well, I'll tell you. You didn't watch the game because they won on a ridiculous play that happens like once... Every 10 years, not quite, but like doesn't happen too often in Canadian football. I know we're, we're sitting here going like it's an all-time Canadian finish. It is, but they still happen few and far between. Also, let me read you this. Total offense, Mount A, 307 <laughs> yards. Total offense, Acadia, 144. No, you no, shouldn't first, win a game downs. with 150 yards of offense. Acadia had four first downs and three of them were due to penalty. Four their offense, first downs. Their offense eight did first not downs score. Total. Their offense did not score a point. No. It was field goal, pick six, safety, field goal. Like, that is In why. Fact, that is like. They also turned the ball over <laughs> twice. They tried to give it away. They said, go, take the ball. We and we've said. We have said, we have said, and and self-scouting here, we have said our question with Mount A is not with their defense. Daniel Bell, nine tackles, a fumble recovery, and a PBU. Mount A also had two sacks, six TFLs, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, an interception, and a PBU. But... Our question has been with their offense. And quarterback Justin Vogels goes 8 of 26 on the day, 104 yards, and an interception. Now, his saving grace was that he rushed the ball 10 times for 104 yards as well. And Brant Beruzuk went 27 for 112. So clearly, they can I run the ball. I can't wait for the bus to play Acadia. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. But 
our our major question with Mount A. I know it's week one and it's tough, but we did get a little bit of an answer here. Our major question with Mount A still remains a major question. What is their offense going to look like? And as of right now, they need to put it together. Meanwhile, Mount A's defense, Connor, six TFLs, two sacks, a yeah. forced fumble, a fumble recovery, an INT, a pass breakup. There's Daniel no Bell was question. in on 12 different tackles, six solos, six assisted. 12 different tackles. Yeah. That is a ton. <laughs> All uh, while holding Acadia to 144 yards of offense, holding their quarterback to only 97 passing yards. Yeah, this uh, this is a weird game. I'm sure it's going to sting Mount Allison in the long run because Bishops looked really good. We might as well move to that game. Uh, Connor, the Bishops Gators, their quarterback can sling the rock. And sling the rock. Left-handed guy, Justin Quirion, uh, David Chaloux back running the ball. In the rain, impressive outing. Uh, I know Fagnon had two picks. Quirion had one, which was like a tip ball through the stomach. Kind of same as Guelph's, actually. Uh, the bus got going. 18 for 115. And X just kind of put the gas on and kept driving away in the second half. Well, X also played a damn good defensive game. 58 tackles. Six sacks, two T or sorry, eight TFLs, three forced fumbles at, that they recovered, an interception, and seven pass breakups. And I know he's not three your favorite. Three of those guy. were swats at the line. Three of those were swats at the line. I know he's not your favorite guy, but I need to talk about him because in this game, he was an absolute Vengeance unblockable. I have I have no qualms Fedgen the St. Francis Xavier defensive end. I have qualms with Alex Fedchin, the CFL, CFL prospect, end, because sure. of his size. As sure. a player, I love the guy, Connor. He is everything that you want in terms of big plays, controlling the line of scrimmage at this level. Three solo, it is phenomenal. Ten assists, two and a half sacks, three TFLs, and those two and a half sacks pushed him over. He is now the sole record holder for franchise sacks by St. Francis Xavier X-Men player with, I believe it's 19 and a half in his career now. Correct. Uh, just getting started this year. John Svack, of course, the DC for X, called a masterful game. Uh, very impressive showing by the X-Men, but Bishop's is going to be a pain for teams this year, Connor. The AUS is going to be... X, Bishops, and Mount A or St. Mary's, take your pick uh, as their playoffs. But they also have a new playoff format they introduced, so it's going to be four teams in the playoff. Only one will be going home at the end of the regular season. Should be good. Should be good. I'm with you. Bishops is going to be a pain. They still have some damn talented players on the defensive side of the ball. Gabriel Royer not going anywhere. Had the had one of the two interceptions for Bishops. And uh yeah, unfortunately, I think in this one, Bishops just ran into a 
a damn good X team, but I think Bishop still is going to contend for one of the one of those four spots come the end of the season. All right, Carabang, 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 Revenge Tour, four hundred and four. Carl Shabbat, your guy, and Hassan Doso, both over a hundred yards. Uh, <laughs> I think that they were angry. A little bit, a little bit. Just a little bit angry. Carl Shabbat, like you said, 108 yards on four receptions. This guy was averaging 27 yards a catch. And my favorite thing about Carl Shabbat is that he looks like a mini fridge, man. Like he's not the biggest dude. He's not the most intimidating dude on the field, but he gets open. He is always open and he makes you pay if you sleep on him. Hassan Doso. Also had an incredible game, 102 and a touchdown. But uh, the highlight in this one for me is is absolutely Jonathan Seneca. I want to ask where your guy went because Nicky Farinaccio only had like two tackles. One of them was a huge TFL, but uh, seemingly invisible on the statistical side. But he was a big part in Laton Dress and McGill kind of scheming away from Farinaccio. Oh, that's what I mean. Like you don't necessarily have to be, and I'm not taking anything away from from Fedchen in this. I'm just merely using it as an example. You don't have to be a Fedchen where you are the the game breaker, the game leader to be impactful. Like we always talk about the mess the play up guys, the f the play up guys. Like you can be one of the most impactful players on the field without having a single stat. And I think part of that, like you alluded to, Farinaccio in this one. I mean, if you have to game plan for him and take him out of the game, he's still impacting the game because yeah. you're so focused on him. And that le- that left other guys open. That left opportunities for sacks and TFLs and, and you know, forced fumbles. And I think they had one interception on the day. So when, you, when you're game planning for a guy like Farinaccio, you're leaving holes in your offensive line for other guys to come through and make plays. And I, I think that was a bit of that in this game. Final game of the week, Connor, was the Friday. Did we get to this one? No, nope. I don't think we no, have. No, we didn't. Monsieur Glenn Constantine. He was angry, I guess. Uh, Sherbrooke, 14. Laval, 37. Uh, Arnaud Desjardins, 296. Three touchdowns. Two of which to Kevin Mittal, who is still scheduled to appear in court on September 7th. We'll see what um, happens. Anthony Robichaud, though, Connor, a guy that we were really excited to see this year after his East-West Bowl appearance. 50% completions. Sorry, below 50% completions. uh, Three INTs. 187 yards. Didn't really impact the ground game much other than a rushing touchdown late in the game. Uh, I don't know. Not a whole lot going on from Sherbrooke. A whole lot of business from the Laval Rouge or. Yeah, man, this is just, you know, the defending national champions being the defending national champions. This is exactly what Sherbrooke ran into. I don't want to take anything away from them. I think they will, you know, challenge some teams this year in, in the Quebec conference. And I think they, they, there is a lot of positives to go off of with this team, but. Unfortunately, they just ran into a Laval team that didn't really have much turnover. I mean, their key players are, are still on this 
are still on this roster. Arnaud Desjardins could make a heck run this season, started the season off with an absolute bang. I mean, I know he had 10 incompletions, is what it is. Still had almost 300 yards, three touchdowns. And Laval in this one, like Sherbrooke, score aside, in terms of, you know, offensive production, Sherbrooke hung. Like, they hung in there. Laval had 377 yards of total offense. Sherbrooke had 305. I think what this just came down to was Laval being the the better team in, in every sense of the every sense of the saying, defending national champions. And they showed up like defending national champions. Unfortunately, when you open your season against the Vanier Cup champs, you have to play the Vanier Cup champs. <laughs> no way around it. Uh I will say, Connor, we get a hell of a show this year when it's Laval, Montreal, Senecal, Stranger Calendars. Those are going to be highly anticipated games. They are already uh, exciting to see U Sports in the swing of things. Can West joins the party this week. Uh, they play a slew of Friday games. Everyone's going for Can West. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. UBC Regina is going to be a good matchup. I'm right. looking forward to that game. Good we'll tee them all up on Thursday. All Canadian on Tuesday. CF Perspective, Wade Zank, Connor O'Neill. Get your freaking coaching gear at fox40shop.com. CFP15 gets you 15% off. Do it before your fall season starts. Off we go. I don't Let's go.